how can companies keep their leadership pipeline filled and flowing we'll get a sneak peek into renowned business advisor ram charan's work on this and we'll hear from nishant on his way of building the leadership pipeline i am madhvi ravanan a service delivery head at nokia i have with me nishant saxena ceo of international business at sipla warm welcome to the growth and export cast nishant thank you thank you madhvi thank you thanks for making the time now before we get to the topic of the discussion nishant i know you read quite a lot i know you run a blog that is rich with summaries of books that you have read liked and you have recommended to others right now i think you should tell us about uh, since when you have been reading and what kinds of books you read how do you make the time you know amidst a role that's as demanding as uh, being accountable for close to half a billion in pnl if i understand right and most importantly how do you think that has impacted you over a period of time tell us about it see first a lot is always relative i don't know if i read a lot uh, somebody like shashi tharoor will say that he reads one book every day and he tries to finish 365 before christmas now that is a lot i have been trying to read about a book a week obviously over so many years it has added up and it's all thanks to a wonderful professor professor rajiv sarvastav in my business school uh, in the im days where he said that we should read these books which were not in the course but he said if you read them it will be good for your uh, eternal quest to be wise i guess and since then i started my love affair with books i read uh, i have eclectic reading habits i read philosophy because i think it helps us uh, become more curious i read literature uh, fiction because i do think it's almost like a narrative of life of course i read management and self help read autobiographies and so every every book leaves its taste in you every book tries to make you better the books that have uh, or at least the reading habit how it has impacted me i think you should ask uh, my friends and family this question i think uh, most of us live just one life uh, but a reader can live a thousand lives and vicariously reading about the lives of others and learning from them so when you read uh, gandhi's book on uh, character building uh, his autobiography when you read the virgin guys richard branson his book on uh, living the full life uh, screw it let's do it or when you read the book uh, buddha uh, siddhartha uh, nobel laureate herbert hess on uh, the purpose of life and so on all of these i think make you richer make you more mature hopefully this will translate in your professional life it certainly translates in your personal life and maturity thanks nishant now uh, let's get to the topic of the conversation the book that we selected is the leadership pipeline ram charan has written this along with couple of other authors tell me why do you think this book makes for a significant read for anyone interested in uh, building his or her uh, uh, career why the book the leadership pipeline nishant tell us about it See, within management, Madhvi, I think this is one of my favorite books. I have met Ramcharan a couple of times in various uh, in various conferences. The question that every leader asks, every manager asks, is why do careers stop growing after a point in time? Even in my first company, Procter and Gamble, the ruling wisdom was. 
that people who often were the fastest or the first one or two levels almost never made it to a serious CXO level. And this was so sad. It was so sad that young, intelligent, hardworking, ambitious people fail to make to a serious CXO level. What goes wrong? At the entry level, they, they showed very promising set of skills. But then as they went going up and up, somewhere a glass ceiling was hit, somewhere they did not show the potential for the next level. And so what went wrong? Look around ourselves. So many of our colleagues, we, we find them so full of potential in the first two years in the company. And then after five, six years, we start saying, or maybe after 10, 15 years, we start saying, okay, this is the zenith. They won't go beyond this. What goes wrong? This is what uh, has intrigued me for quite some time. In fact, I even started after Procter & Gamble, my own startup on trying to make people more employable and trying to develop the skill set of people. And the biggest thing this book talks about and, and trust somebody like a Ram Charan to, to talk about it because that guy has been one of the most, uh, most uh, proficient management thinkers and uh, he's, he's been on the board of so many different companies. He has seen careers grow and careers not grow. The biggest insight of this, the aha moment of this book is you could be delivering good performance at the current level but still not considered for the next level because what got you here won't get you there. The skill set requirement is very different. And then he starts talking about different roles, moving from a self-contributor to a first-time manager to then next level role where you have a manager of people who are themselves manager. Then you become a business unit function head and so on. And every, every, of the, every single one of these uh, levels have very different skill set requirement. Unless we understand and start showing mastery on those skill sets a priori beforehand, you would never be promoted to the next level. And that's why you could think, oh, I have such a brilliant analyst. Why wouldn't they promote me to a manager? Because the skill set required as a manager are very different. Awesome. Thanks, Nishan. So after you mentioned the book, I did go and uh, uh, read it. I should say I found it uh, revealing. As you said, I think the book gives a structure for selecting and developing leaders at uh, different levels that exist in an organization. Levels themselves go from, let's say, individual contributor, first level manager, manager of managers, functional manager, business manager. Then there's a group manager followed by a uh, enterprise manager or the CEO position itself. So as they say, when we move from one level to the next, we are supposed to be picking up newer ways of leading, newer ways in terms of skills needed to execute the new responsibilities and change the way we spend our time, change the way we believe we add uh, uh, value. And development at each of these passages is apparently cumulative. If the development is complete at one passage, then you know it increases the chances of success at the next passage. And if let's say development was incomplete or if someone skips a passage, then you know it may lead to unsuccessful uh, transition at the next passage and that will lead to what the authors call as a clogged or a choked leadership pipeline. So that being a very brief gist of the uh, book, Nishan, in the next uh, maybe 10 to 15 minutes time, I would like to discuss the initial three passages with you. So let's take the uh, 
first passage where somebody goes from being an individual contributor to a first line manager so at this level the person should know how to recruit right and he or she should know how to plan allocate monitor and be accountable for results of the team plus delegate right and then come the ability to motivate inspire coach and enable his or her team and then building social contracts with one's own team plus with peers bosses and support functions now the initial three sets of skills let's say recruiting right planning getting things done being accountable for results and delegating in what i have seen you know these are relatively easily picked up by people whereas let's say uh, inspiring motivating coaching and enabling your team building social contracts with team these are not uh, skills that are picked up as easily and if these are not developed well then you know these will impact the initial uh, three result areas that i mentioned so what have you seen working what are your own trade secrets and what are some of the success mantras that you have seen working with the people around you yeah let me start with the foundation all of us would have seen i certainly have uh, young brilliant business graduates come up my current company recruits only from the iims png used to recruit only the top business schools and so on these are all brilliant minds they do very well in the first 2 3 years most of them and then they want to get promoted and very often the answer of their manager is not yet and they can't understand why because they were top performers as analyst and see herein lies the conundrum as an analyst if you are professional if you are hard working if you have technical knowledge of your area that's good enough and you can be a very smart analyst but then the moment you want to be considered for a team leader position the, the next promotion all the skill sets madhavi that you just talked about whether it is can you delegate well you know each of these words is an art and a science you have to delegate but not abdicate you have to give room to your subordinates then to perform and to shine but also keep coaching them so that they perform at their best and yet often young managers the first level managers start competing with their own subordinates because in their mind till about few months back they were the top performing subordinate they were the top performing analyst many of their analysts do not measure up to their own expectations and so the manager ends up doing a lot of job of the analyst now this is not good for the analyst because then how will the analyst grow this is not even good for the manager because then after one year when the manager comes for his or her performance assessment i can't rate him or her the company cannot rate him or her on their skill set as an analyst we have to rate them on the skill set as a manager but a lot of their time went in while being a manager title holder doing the analyst work you have to start getting into advanced planning advanced planning means what can go wrong what's plan b what's my plan c project management becomes a very critical skill set recruiting people like you said becomes a very critical skill set on specifically the motivating i think people can sense the insecurity in others they can almost smell it so when the manager is trying to prove himself or herself because they are young managers and they want to look good in the eyes of others their subordinates uh, lose all respect for them and finally the most important skill set perhaps in a manager is an accountability see the actual work is done by the rookies 
And the policy decision is done by the person at the top, the CXO. So one could argue what really is the role of the middle manager? I would argue the biggest role of a middle manager is to take full accountability. If it's to be, it's up to me, it's up to me, it shall be. Because things will go wrong. Sometimes some of the analysts wouldn't come. Sometimes the work will go a little haywire. But they will still take end-to-end responsibility and say they will get it done. Now, that, that mindset is the single biggest change uh, in, a, in, a, in a manager versus an analyst. Because an analyst can say, look, you gave me this work. I have done that work. And if there were reasons beyond my control, what could I do? But a manager cannot say that. Uh, they have to take care of the final value add, not just of the amount of hours put in in the work. And this skill set becomes a little, it's a, it's a new mindset because even now people 10, 15 years into the company would come up and say, look, I tried my best, but what can I do? Because of ABC reasons, they... And my answer is, but the wall didn't move. You were pushing a wall. So what? We, we don't reward people on pushing the wall. We reward people on actually getting work done. Once that attitude is ingrained, is ingratiated, then it's the beginning of a, of a successful career. And we shall see then Then you keep building skills on that. Awesome. Thanks, Nishan. So what you see at this transition, the single most important aspect is the mindset change. You know, I shouldn't be continuing to want to be a star performer, star individual performer. I shouldn't be competing with my team. I should learn to get things done from my team, right? Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting insight. I agree on that. You know, many of us, when we become first-time managers, we continue to think of ourselves as, you know, the most able person in the team to uh, do that job all by ourselves. And, you know, changing that mindset will certainly take us ahead. I understand that. Thanks for that, Nishant. Now, let's get to the second passage where uh, one goes from being a first-line manager to the manager of manager's position. This gets, the role gets a bit more interesting here. You know, the, the primary job of a manager of managers or the skill needed would be the ability to select and train capable first-line managers and hold them accountable for results and managerial responsibilities. Deploy and redeploy resources across his or her uh, different units that come under uh, him or her and busting barriers between one's own units, right? So... I would like to hear from you, how do you go about busting barriers among uh, your own uh, units? What helps in diluting those uh, boundaries that anyways get developed between units, right? Uh, So you can make communication flow seamlessly and collaboration can be at its best. What are some of your uh, trade secrets on busting barriers, Nishant? See, first, this busting barrier is probably the most important skill set at this level. Because what happens is even a manager would come up and say, look, I tried my best, but this particular department is not supporting. Sometimes it will be finance, it will be HR. And I say this with all respect because I was a finance person before. It could be some resources not being provided. It could be supplies not coming. Most managers would say, I can do my job much better if only all other departments support me. And yet... I hear the same thing. Now I have all the departments reporting to me. And yet the same complaint is heard from the other departments as well, because, because all departments are run by competent people who want to be successful, who want the business to be successful. And yet never the twine shall meet. What happens is everyone 
looks at their individual KRA at a shallow level. And obviously there will be some divergences there. There will be some mismatches there. The finance will be uh, held a little more accountable to ensure compliance, to ensure processes are followed, to ensure profitability, while sales will be rewarded a little more to ensure the top line and the volume targets are met. Now, if somebody is really mature, then they will understand that both of these are just two ends of the same puzzle. And uh, in the end, the company needs both top line and bottom line. But if you are not that mature, then you could start fighting with each other on this, which is why as a manager of manager, one of the most fundamental of skill sets required is, uh, is maturity. Then with that maturity, it leads to bridging barriers. My own learning has been that the, the general manager, my level, the general manager has to help set the right KRAs because if the KRAs are not set properly, the key result areas, the scorecard of the different departments, then capable people will end up fighting each other versus fighting the external competition. And it happens too many times in large corporates. Uh, when, I, when I was an entrepreneur running a smaller company, it was easy because we were still just a 60 people team and everyone saw through each other. But in a large department where there are functional lines and all that becomes that much more complicated. It's a balance of empathy and assertiveness. Empathy to understand why an equally competent person has a view so different from mine. What can I learn from that? And assertiveness who also then, after listening the other person's point of view, also speak about your own point of view and not just be silent and then crib later on. It obviously requires a lot of problem solving skill, another very core skill at this level. And by problem solving, I mean creative problem solving. We, it, it's the, the or kind of problems. Do you want A or B are the easy ones. But by the time a problem seeps its way up to a manager of manager, the easier problems would have all been solved. Now it will be the more difficult problem where you have to optimize, where you have to find a balance. I do want this much of growth, but I have only this much headcount budget. We don't live in a world where you can just say, we'll maximize the growth and you have unlimited amount of uh, resources as an example. That requires a lot of bridging barriers. That requires a lot of, okay, with this manpower, how can we do this? And then when you come out with the third alternative with the creative solution, then all these functions, all these departments can work very well together. When, when we were trying to do Innoventia, one of the first uh, uh, crowdsourcing for, uh, for pharmaceuticals, we suddenly for that one year, we needed 10, 12 people. And obviously the manpower budget wouldn't suddenly allow you to have 12 people. We had thousand plus uh, applicants for applications from young entrepreneurs. What do we do? And so what we did was we went to these B schools and many of these B schools allow people to come in and work in corporate for three months, four months. And for them, the biggest thing was learning. And we used to give them like, I think they hardly charged anything, five or 10,000 rupees, $100 a month or something. But we, we got uh, one of the best uh, initiatives covered through those interns. HR was happy, finance was happy, and obviously the business was happy because we were getting some very good startups to compete in, to compete with each other. And that's what I mean by bridging barriers, finding a creative solution with a lot of maturity and empathy. 
fantastic response uh, uh, nishant you started with maturity then you you said we we have to have the empathy to understand the other person's point of view and still be assertive and stick to our relevant uh, uh, items in hand and look at solving the problem in a creative manner set kras uh, properly with different units fantastic i think you are you are example on how you came out with a creative solution to the resource crunch that you were facing i think that's also uh, pretty insightful thanks for that elaborate on uh, nishan so we'll get to the third and the last passage uh, that we'll cover in the conversation now this is when a person goes from being a manager of managers to a functional manager level i would say this is probably the first transformational uh, uh, passage because thus far the person has been operating as uh, mostly as a silo within a certain function now this person is responsible for the entire function so he or she should stop looking at his or her function in silo and rather look at it as a component of the overall business you know change into uh, more of strategic thinking style and make trade offs accordingly and this person should also be able to communicate across multiple layers that would exist in the organization and tap into several information sources so this is a, a phenomenal transition i would say this particular passage is the first significant transition for an individual to go through so if let's say you were to be talking to a manager of managers who is keen on building his or her career and getting into this uh, role of a functional manager what recipe would you recommend what do you think the person should do so he or she can proactively prepare herself or himself to be ready for uh, such an opportunity whenever it comes by right uh, tell us about it nishant yeah you you're right this is perhaps the first senior management layer where for a small business a business unit of a company you are the cxo you could be the supply chain head the medical head the finance head the hr head the chro of that small business and now if you really want that business unit to be running as an independent company these people will have to behave as an independent cxo and that now starts putting pressure on a very high bar on the skill set requirement no longer can you say i am a i am an employee of this company now you have to start behaving as an owner of that company and so the first skill set of this which is which is rare when people come from the functional path is the skill set of business acumen one of my managers taught me that uh, when i became the cfo of a business in he said that now you are no more a finance person now you are a business person with some specialized skills in finance and unless you take care of this then you can go back and do your corporate finance work and tax and accounting and treasury but if you really want to be the cfo you have to see yourself as a business person first and then with specialized skills in finance and so on with other functions and i thought that was very very cool then the other important skill set and this is extreme maturity is uh, is self understanding now there's a lot of study on um, iq leads to eq to sq this is when you start knowing like plato said who am i because otherwise you'll always be insecure in trying to prove yourself you'll always try to say 
how do I convince this other person? And maybe I'm not measuring up versus that person's power. A deep self-understanding will say, I know this is my strength and this is not what I'm good in. And therefore I'll complement these skills with somebody different. Unfortunately, our schools don't teach as much pure listening skills because all the solutions will be outside and so much of internal meetings would shield you from what's happening outside. So advanced listening skills where you see what's really happening listening without judging, listening, active listening, trying to figure out what's going on in the marketplace, what's going on with the competition. And an external view where maybe this is my budget, but you know, budgets can be negotiated inside with the company. What really is the competition doing? How can I really be the best in the, I mean, this year our biggest success is not, I mean, the success I'm very proud of is not the fact that uh, we have met our budget, but the fact that we were rated the fastest growing pharma exporter in India, that's the, or in my previous role, the biggest success that I was proud of was our team rated the best high performance team in the whole of pharma in Africa versus uh, just meeting internal numbers and external view. Then you need a very advanced communication skill. What I mean by that is, you know, when I was an entrepreneur, you realize that when you have a five, six people team, Communication is easy. They know you, you know them. Hopefully both sides respect each other and people understand what you're trying to say. As the team becomes big, then my, my always asset test is whether people three levels down the hierarchy will see reality and the vision as clearly as you see it. And that requires mastering what they call the ethos, pathos, logos of communication. What are those few things that you want to focus on? And how do you communicate in the most simple manner so everyone will understand that? You then need to start thinking of processes. See, managers and even manager of managers are known for solving fires. There is a fire, look, I'll put this person, the fire will go away because this person knows the system, this person has the experience, this person will work day and night, solve the problem. But as a CXO, you have to start thinking so what structures, what processes do I put that the fires don't happen now? And that's a very different Six Sigma mindset. What were the challenges last year? And what do I do today proactively so that those challenges, those do not happen in future? And at this level, it's, it's, it's not very good. I don't like it. But in every large company, at this level, value alignment becomes important. Are you and the CEO seeing eye to eye on most important parts. Because you may be individually brilliant, but you are part of a team. And if the vision, there is a misalignment in the vision, one person will have to say, either I change my view or I move on. Because you cannot have the top leadership of a team having divergent views on, on the core priorities. And so value, and, and therefore you will see that when CEOs go, often the team also changes. So value alignment will, and value alignment does not mean nepot, certainly does not mean nepotism, also does not mean just keep listening to others. It means that you will say, I have these views, but once the CEO has decided something, then all of us will follow one direction. So you see, these skill sets are very, very different from what we had seen in the first two levels, which is why what got you there wouldn't get you here, which is why all of us need to keep developing these skill sets so that our career keeps growing. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nishant. I think you started with business acumen and you spoke about maturity. 
i made some notes by the way <laughs> you spoke about advanced listening skills listening without judging i guess and then uh, you know value alignment with the uh, ceo phenomenal thanks so much for these insights so with this we are done with the specific passages nishant anything else that you know you would like to share with the listeners in the whole context of the book itself see i think the the two points one i think the managers and the company has to take a big responsibility for this why do why do these shining careers fail to grow because companies also keep lamenting on the leadership cliff they most companies are very happy they will go outside and get the egon zenders and the spencers towards of the world to get the best cxo team and then they will say okay that's fine because they have this easy way to hire a top talent from outside but visionary companies starting with procter and gamble my first employer said no we will only promote from within because then it will force me to develop my talent so what are the companies doing to develop that talent we were i mean i remember in procter and gamble in one year when my to get reasonable performance assessment but one year when my external performance was very good i actually got an average performance assessment and i asked my manager why and he said oh because your subordinates are not very happy with you i mean they are the first two three days you don't sleep over it and you feel bad and all but then you realize wow such a great company this is this was 20 years ago and they already had a fully functional 360 degree feedback and over a period of time i think that hard meshes that was landed that you could be the most brilliant of guys but if your people are not uh, uh, inspired by you you would never make it to the next level when when they drill it down then we are all intelligent people we also adapt we also learn we also change and in the same png a uh, few years later i got the highest coaching service score because the company had trained you and changed your mindset that uh, this coaching others is a is a very important skill set that is what we are trying to do in my current organization sipla as well where managers leaders are trainers we train people uh, every month we we try to develop people we have institutionalized 360 degree feedback and if people are not developing their subordinates it is uh, it is held negatively against them when companies start doing this then over a period of time talent starts growing how much time i think i think once you become a manager of manager that's when you should become get into what is called pure management which means uh, no more an indiv- individual performer now you only get your work done through others and not directly because when you start doing your work done through yourself it gets into the wrong model because then you start uh, not focusing on how do i develop the others in my team often managers fail to coach because they are themselves too busy too busy doing one level below work and uh, and, and that's such a pity the second important message is look this book is brilliant it's absolutely brilliant but we shouldn't be panglossian and start thinking that you read the book and tomorrow things will change of course that will be naive the things will change this is one book you could read other book i am a big fan of the leadership pipeline but you could read others you could have a mentor you could have a guide i think the most important skills most important next step would be read at least the book or the summary of the book and then identify what are the skill sets that will take you to the next level not the skill sets that will get you a great performance rating in this level but what are the skill sets that will take you to the next level 
and then sit with somebody you trust. Maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's an informal mentor. By the way, everyone should have an informal mentor, not the boss, somebody different. And say, what can I do to develop those core skill sets? And that's the best investment you would do onto your own career. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nishant. I think those were uh, brilliant takeaways from the conversation. I'm sure the listeners would find it uh, extremely useful to adopt and practice them. And thanks a lot for your time. Thanks much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Pleasure talking to you and a lot of takeaways in the conversation. Thanks again, Nishant. Thank you. Thank you. I hope it was worth your time and the listeners' time. Absolutely. Certainly. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.